Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast dynastyweekfootball.com and a deal of family a podcast that's James Brain. Guys, training camps are just opening, and I am already hearing good things about Carlos Hyde. I think he's going to win that job, guys. That's Stompy Sam Lane. I, I've i lost. Oh, God damn it, James. I, I lost it. I just. <laughs> I, yep, you threw me off, and There's now I'm, I'm, starting yeah. this, I'm starting off angry. So thanks. <laughs> that was going to be the case either way. That's the big Irish, John McGlynn. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, uh, did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? No. The food is out of this world, but there's absolutely <laughs> no atmosphere. <laughs> nice. You got Stompy to laugh. That was going to be a, a challenge for us uh, to, to bring him back. But I am John. Give me context or give me death. Hogan, this is a super flex super show. We had such an awesome response to our context episode a couple weeks ago that we needed to do another one. We're just running around, boys, just spraying our context all over everything right now. And uh, this week's uh, this week it's time to give the fresh, warm DynastyLeagueFootball.com Superflex ADP that just came out uh, a code of context as well but first there's actually some context here behind our guest joining us so is one of our super friends john mcglynn at john mcglynn 75 on twitter and uh i believe john you're making your podcasting debut is that correct on the superflex super show i sure am this is a fantastic dream come true guys dream come true thanks for having me well we're honored to have you on johnny mac but here's the thing so I dug up this tweet. I had almost forgot about this, and uh, and I I apologize to you because uh, I I imagine um, things have uh, <laughs> I I imagine that this has affected your health because I dug this up from April of this year. Uh, so this was a quote tweet from our latest episode tweet at the time, and I quote: "This was this is John McGlynn seventy five on Twitter. He says, love this show.'" I'm going to work as hard as I can to be on this show one day. That day and from that point on, I will eat vegetables again. So since this is since April. I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, not even a slice of carrot cake or zucchini bread. I No, no vegetables. That was the boycott, right? Well, you see, I kind of got you guys because I haven't ate a vegetable in about 15 years. So I, but uh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I did. Uh, so hold on. Now you tricked now, us. Now you need no. Now you need to stream <laughs> or take a video of yourself eating a vegetable. Oh man, which one? You guys got to pick it out. You got you got to oh, eat it man. like Kevin from the Office. You got to eat the broccoli. <laughs> yeah. The broccoli from a, the stem first. This uh, is a new food for me. How would you do it? <laughs> can I steam? Can I steam it and put butter on it or something? Or is it gonna be raw? No, no, raw broccoli stem. <laughs> oh no! I think I, I think it, I think it's gonna depend on your performance here on this podcast. You know, by the end, we're gonna let you know whether it's gonna be raw broccoli or whether you can you, you know steam it and butter it. <laughs> I, usually, I, on it and... I usually eat things that eat broccoli, so that's kind of how that works. <laughs> well yeah so uh, i mean so apparently we got duped a little bit here but i i'm still fine with that because uh the idea of us dictating somebody eating a freaking vegetable and getting the proper at least close to the proper amount of vitamins and nutrients uh for their their daily allowance um is uh is heartwarming to me so uh, I, I like the idea of that, but more than anything, we just really wanted to get to talk with one of our super friends here, one of our one of our absolute favorite listeners, and uh, and get to bring you on here to help us out with this uh, because this is also going to be a four person uh, topic. Um, we need a we needed a fourth mind on this one. Well, the introduction to the show makes me do a happy dance, so I just uh, I love being here, guys. Thank you very much. Nice, nice. It's gonna be fun. So here's here's what we're doing this time. We're, and again, we're, we need to uh, provide some context. Fresh DLF eighty ADP Superflex ADP just came out um, from a dynasty perspective. Of course, it's at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, but we we wanted to uh, to provide a little context for the rest of the leagues that aren't just normal Superflex PPR. Uh, with a you know with with the super flex position and and dynasty so i guess our observe observation here is that this uh this new adp is just that it's based on regular ppr four point passing touchdown dynasty super flex but would it change drastically in different sc scoring formats so what we're going to be looking at here is redraft we're going to talk about 2QB, we're going to talk about a tight end premium, and we're going to make it a heavy one, 1.75 PPR for those tight ends, uh, just to make it actually compelling for the entire tight end position. And then we'll talk about six-point passing touchdowns and or negative four interceptions. Uh, if you combine the two, you get some Scott Fish Bowl scoring. So we're going to talk about all those and see how it would change. Superflex ADP. But first, boys, we need to talk about a trade here. And uh, this came to, I, I so this is from our boy Dynasty Bill. It's at bscully121. And I know that he sent it to both me and to Stompy. Um, I, I'm guessing James probably has seen it as well. Uh, but he, so I, me and Stompy gave the same answer. And he's got a lot of conflicting advice beyond that. So we wanted to talk about this one a little bit and uh, get everybody's thoughts and get kind of a consensus opinion here on the show um, among this panel. So here's the trade. It's uh, Julio Jones, Chris Carson, Curtis Samuel, and Greg Olson for Josh Jacobs, DJ Moore, JJ Arcega-Whiteside, and Josh Oliver. 
and again, this is a so this is a ten team superflex league, I believe. Um, hopefully, I got that that part right. That all important context. But so, James, I want to start with you. Do you first of all? Do you need me to repeat the trade? Uh yeah. If you could repeat the first side of it. All right. So it is Julio Jones, Chris Carson, Curtis Samuel, and Greg Olson for Josh Jacobs, DJ Moore. JJ Arcega Whiteside and Josh Oliver. Okay, so to me, uh, okay, so there's a lot to this here. Obviously, being a 10 team league, I like going for the top echelon players, mainly because the waiver wire normally is full of guys that can be serviceable for a few weeks um, because you only have 10 teams that, that have full rosters, you know. So, um, that's why I want the creme de la creme. I want the top of the top. And to me, there's there's more of those players in in the uh, the first side of that trade. So so give me give me the side with Julio with Carson, um, and and that side over some of the younger players. The the younger players definitely have the upside in the second side second part of that trade. But to me, um, I, I want those proven established guys that I know I can count on week in and week out in a ten team league that are going to, uh, to to be starters for me. In a 10-team league, I don't know that some of the guys that I would normally be be starting in a 12-team league um, are starters in a 10-team league. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that, with that first side, with the Julio side. So what do you think, John? We've, we've, again, we've got Julio Jones, Chris Carson, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson for Josh Jacobs, DJ Moore, Sega, and Josh Oliver. Uh. I, th- I like Chris Carson this year. I think he's going to be great. Uh, yes. Curtis Samuel is a is a uh, a value pick. He's uh, he's one of those guys that goes four or five rounds after DJ Moore, but is still probably going to get about the same amount of catches, same amount of yards. Um, Greg Olson, I yeah, I don't know what he's going to do this year. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't get on a field and have some foot issues. Uh, and Julio, he might go for three thousand yards this year. This year is a joke, he said, but. Uh, um, that's that site's pretty impressive. Um, Oliver, Josh Jacobs, nobody. There's nothing guaranteed with a first-year running back. Uh, he should get all the work, but um, Oliver, who knows? And who's the other two people in that second part of that trade? Uh, uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. I love Jaws. And uh, not this got- year, though. It's going to be something. I think at next year, when possibly you know Elshon's gone, Jaws might be the. When Alshon's gone, when um, uh, everybody else is gone on that team, I think Jaws will be the new number one, the new the new guy with a with a, with a brand new with a long term signed quarterback. He'll be the guy in Philadelphia. Oliver, I don't know about that one. That's uh, that's you know. Stompy's boy for sure. So, so l- let me hear from you, Stomp. How do you uh, how do you break this one down? I mean, it, it's ten teams, so you got to go with the highest valued players, like. 10 team changes a lot of the ways that you should be playing. Um, I'm always going to try and be as top heavy as possible in 10 team, which means that Julio Carson are, I mean, those are the two best players in this trade. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then uh, John made a good, good point. Uh, I, I like Curtis Samuel a ton this year. Um, And like, like he said, he's going, I think DJ Moore is going like the fifth and Curtis Samuel is going in like the 10th right now. And like John said, he could they could have equivalent statistics by the end of the season. Um, Matt Harmon loves Curtis Samuel this season. 
or just loves Curtis Samuel in general, thinks he's the best route runner on that team. Um, so it, it's it was not even close for me. It's the Julio side. Yeah, yeah. Samuel Samuel's ninety four, and DJ Moore's like thirty one. So that's yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of the way I broke this down was, I mean, to me, it takes DJ Moore and Josh Jacobs to get Julio Jones. And then, so from there, the other side just kind of falls behind. I mean, you know, now you're trying to make up the the difference for, you know, you're trying to make up the value of Chris Carson, and then you're trying to make up the value of, of Curtis Samuel, and it's just not there. So, yeah, to me, this was pretty easily the Julio side, and it sounds like we've got a clean sweep here. So it's a little surprising to hear that he was getting so much uh, uh, conflicting um, so many conflicting reports on uh, which on is which... wild to me because yeah. like that other side's not that appealing for what is on <laughs> like right. it's, it's Julio a top five wide receiver it's Chris Carson who was phenomenal last season and is looking to be a phenomenal again and get a ton of touches this season he's at I would say at least a top 18 running back and then Curtis Samuel, who could be a wide receiver too, versus who? I mean, DJ Moore, who's likely a wide receiver too. Josh Jacobs, who at this point in time is a wide is a running back too, but he's a rookie. We have no idea what we're getting. And then JJ Arcega Whiteside's not doing anything. Well, he, he might do something this year, but it's not going to be fantastic. And then jo I love Josh Oliver, and I think he can be kind of a Mark Andrews, Chris Herndon type this season, but that's not going to help you tremendously. Like you're give me two top 20. Well, one top five player and another top 20 player over the rest of those guys. Like I, I think those two alone outvalue what was on the other side. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And by the way, thanks for tagging me in that, Bob. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Man. It's Bill. That's why he didn't tag. God, you. what a jerk. Yeah, I know. I got it wrong. Cause Such he got it wrong. He didn't tag no, no, I didn't, no, no, I didn't tag you. <laughs> <laughs> man okay whatever well, bob thanks a lot <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so so you got the winning side of that scully uh with uh with julio and carson and uh congratulations i guess on the on the name change um you're officially bob apparently so <laughs> Go through and uh, change all your forms of identification. Well, uh, not, you, can you, don't, all right? you don't even have to change your Twitter handle. You can still see be B Scully. So yeah, win yeah, win. Totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we apologize on behalf of James. the 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 thoughts and opinions of our resident brain do not necessarily reflect the entire Superflex Super Show. Oh, whatever. Get you it together, are, Bob. So again, we're gonna take this Superflex Dynasty. PPR, four-point passing touchdown ADP, and we're going to rearrange it a little bit to fit different scoring settings. So we're going to start with Stompy. We want to talk about redraft. So let's start with the first round, the top 12, and see if, see if you can find some guys that you would move up either from outside of the, the first round into the first round in a redraft league. Um, or guys who you would drop out of the first round and maybe just some guys that you would rearrange within the first round uh, in a redraft as opposed to a dynasty. Sure. Um, 
honestly, so in terms of Superflex, Patrick Mahomes is going to be QB1, whether it's redraft, whether it's two QB, whether it's um, six-point touchdown, whatever you want. The dude is the best. Yes, John, John Hogue, the best quarterback in football. Suck it. Who? Uh, Mahomes? Mahomes. Oh, God. His name's Patrick Mahomes. He's my Mahomie. Yeah. So you're leaving him. So he I'm leaving him at 1.01. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's the first time this entire offseason, by the way. So I took over organizing these these ADP mock drafts uh, back in February. And this is the first time since February that Saquon Barkley wasn't the 1.01. I want to know. I want to know who did the math here. Because there's two first round or two 1.01 picks and two 1.02 picks for both Barkley and Mahomes, yet the ADP is 1.4 versus 1.6. Hmm. Interesting. It was a computer. So there's your uh, so next who's, week's who's the dumb dumb? <laughs> it's, 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 it's the macro written into the algorithm. <laughs> you got to bring it up with, I don't know, Bill Gates or whatever. Um, but really this first round, I'm good through about seven, maybe eight. I would, I would probably move Julio to eight and move everybody back. Um, just because I, Julio is an absolute monster. Like the dude just produces, uh, numbers and I get it. Like in terms of, uh, dynasty i get why he's dropped a little bit um i don't know if i necessarily agree how far he's dropped because he right now he's he's at 22 and that's that's a lot for me um for yeah, for a guy that and mind you my my how i look at dynasty fantasy football uh i look at it at like a two to three year window and julio is 30 going on 31 but I mean, for the next two years, I still view him as a top five, top seven wide receiver, and he's dropped a tremendous amount. So I think, especially in redraft, you you have to move him up into the first round because the over the past five seasons, the lowest yardage total he's had is one thousand four hundred nine. Like the guy just puts up numbers, and he's always top five in in fantasy football. So to me, he has to go in the in redraft. He has to go in the first round, and I'm probably moving him above Juju just because of the slight question mark of where Juju will actually play this season. I think it would be a mistake for Pittsburgh to move him outside of the slot, or not outside of the slot, but move him to a more of an outside role and not keep him where he's at. Um, but I would shift everybody back position there. So I think Julio's the only guy I'm moving into the first round um, in redraft. So that bumps Andrew Luck into uh, into the second round. At right, I mean, by one, yeah, so 2.01. So, yeah, so, but you're still taking Devontae Adams over Julio. I think so. DeAndre because, Hopkins. Because really, if you look at the two offenses, if you look at, um, if you look at the Packers and the Falcons, the Packers basically have Devonte Adams, mm-hmm. and then we don't know. I mean, we we talked about this on the last episode, but 
We don't know who's going to be wide receiver two there. Jimmy Graham's kind of old and washed up, though. I think he will have a decent season. We don't know who's going to be the running back there. The only like person you can be confident in in Green Bay is Devontae Adams. And it sounds like Aaron Rodgers just wants to feed feed him the ball constantly. And this might this might be hyperbolic, but he could approach at Devontae Adams could approach 200 targets this season. Um I'm not afraid of Hopkins and his PUP designation. Like it's, it's fine. I, he, he'll be fine this season. He played through torn ligaments in his arm last season. Everyone's um, on pup right now. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think those two, I, I definitively would have above Julio and then I would put Julio right behind them. I like that one. There's, there's, uh, I think that the correction that really needs to be made here is just to the, I mean, a super flex dynasty ADP is, is a little off on Julio. Yeah. I mean, at wide receiver seven, I'm fine with that in dynasty, but look at the names going ahead of him running backs like James Connor, um, Melvin Gordon, David mm-hmm. Johnson. He's going to outlast those guys. Mm-hmm. He's going to play longer than those guys will at 30 years old. And mm, these guys, I, are- I, I would say, uh, I would say David Johnson. Yes. The other, maybe Melvin Gordon, the other guys, I wouldn't think that, but. You don't um, think, yeah. Well, okay, I'll say this. To outplay them, sure. I mean, he might play longer, um, Mm -hmm. but to be effective, to be above the, effective enough to be above those guys, I, that's, that's iffy. Yeah. Um, But I, I think another thing that we need to talk about is how late qb2 qb3 are going um yeah because we have qb1 going at one overall and then qb2 for dynasty ranks doesn't go until 11 but i might be taking qb2 behind the top four running backs so i might be and that's another shift that i might just make overall is putting i probably put andrew luck like at uh 1.06 and then Maybe do DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and the Dijon Watson, and then Julio. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's it's super flex. Like those top QBs belong up there. Okay. So speaking of the quarterbacks, let's let's talk a little bit about them. So in a two QB league, we're going to get to you, John McGlynn. Yep. Let me let. So talk a little bit about the first round. What are some adjustments you would make? Who gets bumped up? Who gets bumped out? Uh, well, and and just reorganize it all together for a two quarterback league. The um the situation I'm in is uh, I've been in two quarterback leagues for a long time, and there's a certain amount of there's people that in the league there's like three different kind of people in two quarterback leagues. There's the guys who draft two quarterbacks right away, right from the get go. The people who draft a stud early and then a quarterback late, and then people who wait late to draft two late round quarterbacks. I'm usually that guy who waits till late to draft two quarterbacks, but it really bit me in the butt last year when I got Mariota, Bortles, and Keenum towards the, late, towards the end of the round, towards the end of the draft, and it really killed me. Especially, uh, I like drafting towards a 12 spot because I can get two quarterbacks in a row You know, when things are going kind of dry with receivers and running backs. But I was in the seventh spot, and everybody went from like from after I picked at seven and like I think it was like round eight or nine, like, man, Rossberger went, uh, Phil Rivers went, everybody just kind of bam, 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 right in front of me. And I got stuck with all these quarterbacks late. But um, the difference between like quarterback two, 
Deshaun Watson, who was getting like who was expected to get like two hundred ninety-seven points this year, and quarterback twenty-seven, who Marcus Mariota was supposed to get like two thirty-seven this year. That's a sixty-point difference between quarterback two and quarterback twenty-seven. That's only three points a game. I don't like a little over three points a game. I I have no problem waiting for quarterbacks. I think the only problem we have is the interception situation. The the problem with uh, how how many interceptions or how bad the penalty is for interceptions. I'm really not uh, really too concerned about rushing to the front of the line to draft quarterbacks. Um, that's just not my game. So, but if I was to try and peg quarterbacks from the get go, I'd go after you know Mayfield and Luck and you know obviously the the Mahomes and a handful of the. If you're not, it's it's almost like a tight end position where if you're not getting the first four or five quarterbacks, you have all the time in the world to wait for who you want at the second quarterback or even to get two quarterbacks because they're all the same. You're only getting three points a game difference between every quarterback. Yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, how's how's uh, how's that sit with you guys? I think it's interesting. I, I definitely think that there's that's part of you know kind of why we go to bat for superflex, right? Is because there's so many different strategies that you can employ come draft time. Mm-hmm. Personally, um, I think I think you and I, John, probably see pretty close to eye to eye here. Is that I think I'd have more quarterbacks going in the first round in two quarterback leagues, even in superflex, but in two QB leagues for sure. I would think four to five should probably go in the first round, and that's that's just my my strategy where I think. They should probably go, but um, you know, like like John said, you know, I mean, there's there's precedent to, you know, waiting, you know, waiting on quarterback or you know, coming up with a different strategy. I just, me personally, I know that if I did my top twelve in a two QB um, league, if I did my rankings, I would have four to five quarterbacks in the first round. Yeah, I, I, I you know, that's you're looking at Mahomes, uh, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, maybe uh, some debate to that, Watson. Mayfield, uh, Rogers, and then, I mean, there's a big, uh, you know, Carson Wentz is somewhere near there, but then there's a big drop off after that. It's the, then the quarterbacks all become pretty close to the same. You look you know, Cam Newton, you know, Goff had a, he fell off the radar last year, half the halfway through the season after the bears game, he was never the same. Like, yeah, I think he got, he froze to death in the bears game and his, his fingers never came back. He had a Mariota where he couldn't feel his hand or something the second half of the season. You know, then he, I, I like Kirk Cousins this year, but how many points is he really going to get this year? Is he, I mean, everybody calls him a sleeper, but uh, and I wouldn't really call him a sleeper, but um, he's going a little bit further than than third, lower than everybody's expecting him to, uh, because of the receivers on his teams. But uh, Dak Prescott is someone else who's impressive, but they're all about the same numbers. I'm not really too concerned about um, where these quarterbacks are going after the first five. Yeah, I mean, so I could see. I my personal opinion is. That in a two QB league, I mean, you should really just kind of start with a quarterback. Just just take one. Uh, it, it just kind of frees you up to to make the pick that you want to pick for several rounds, regardless of what happens. Even if if there's a quarterback run, you know, you can you can get caught at the end of a quarterback run and still be okay because you have your first one. Um, but uh, the other thing I could see happening is. I mean, I, I feel like at least the first few picks, you you almost have to go quarterback in a two QB league, just because. I mean, if you do get caught at the end of a run, it's a long wait. You know, the, there's there's not a lot left for you when it gets back. I'd like to try to 
nail a first couple of picks, try and sneak in the guys that I, that I really have targeted in mm-hmm. the first couple. If I have an early pick, you know, obviously one of the four running backs, um, a little later in the pick, I try to get Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and then, and then wait and see, play the field, watch and see where the quarterbacks go, because I don't want to pull a trigger too early on a quarterback. And then all of a sudden, no quarterbacks are taken for another four or five, you know, another two or three rounds. And I wasted my pick and, and I could have got two good position players instead of drafting a quarterback too early. I rather yeah. just get my position guys and wait and wait and wait and see where the field's going. And as soon as that run starts, try and get in there and nail at least one good one, you know, towards, uh, you know, maybe try to get one of the top rated second tier or third tier quarterbacks, right. From the, you know, after you got your position players, you know, at least one running back and one court and one, one receiver field. And especially if you can yeah. get in there and get one of the five top four tight ends in the early rounds, like, like say round three, and maybe in a, like you were talking about like a tight end premium, if I can get Kelsey or Ertz or, you know, uh, Kittle early instead of picking Mahomes, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to say Mahomes, but like Mayfield is like in the first round. I would uh in the second round I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and I think that that's that's totally valid. So I think that my approach is it ends up being pretty theoretical and I keep hoping that it's someday that someday that everybody kind of comes around to the idea that quarterbacks are scarce and therefore, you know, you you have to jump on them pretty early, but I in until then, I mean, I think in practice most drafts are going to fall exactly the way you're you're outlining, and I think that it's uh, it's going to be a, a totally valid practice. The only thing I would say with a two QB league is make sure that you get. I I I still think that you need four or five of them in a dynasty two QB, um, but uh, I I think that you probably have time to. How big's your roster? Well, that and that's definitely part of it, but. Um, Let's say a 25 man roster because that's that's the norm for I guess the startup dynasty 25. On yeah. a 25 man roster, how many quarterbacks do you expect to have? Four, five? I would say four is probably pretty good. John would have ten. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would, but that's regardless of roster size. Yeah, uh, I mean, in 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 all seriousness, regardless of roster size, I would say that you need at least five to make sure that. So basically, here here's the fear, is one of your top two guys gets hurt mm-hmm. and now you have, uh, and so now you're down to, you know, if you have four quarterbacks, now you're down to three. If two of them happen to have the same bye week you're getting a zero. Yeah. You, yeah, and, and not only that, but I mean, it, you're submitting in a legal lineup, which in some leagues, you know, they're, they're going to punish you for that. Some, some of them are fine with it, but, some of them you have to get a quarterback in there, even if it means picking up a third string nobody oh. that isn't going to do anything, and and which means you have to clear a roster spot, and then you have to throw you have to plug in this guy who's not going to do anything. He's not even going to get off the bench, just to avoid disciplinary action. You have to do that. It's well, it, it's kind of crazy, but it, it it and it shouldn't necessarily be that way, but sometimes it is. Would you want to waste those extra three roster spots all season long in case that didn't happen? You only yeah. need three. I, I would take four is pretty safe. But why would you want to keep an extra five, six, seven, you know, possible spots with quarterbacks you're never going to use when you could possibly have flyers on there as late round running backs, late round receivers, late round tight ends that might, you know, Dawson Knox or something like that that might pan out in a couple of years. Like mm-hmm. uh 
I would much rather have position players and maybe dump some guy who I'm never playing for a week, just pick up a quarterback to avoid a penalty or something. You know, I'm, I don't know how, how, how big the fee is for, you know, your, your transactions are sometimes I'm in leagues. That's one's $2 to drop somebody, $2 to pick somebody up or something. <laughs> 10 bucks. Some of them are 10 bucks to drop somebody, 10, 10 bucks what to pick somebody up. About? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That might be a whole totally different set Whoa. of context. Actually, <laughs> I said ducks, not bucks. I mean, there's no, I uh, just, but uh, that's uh, it makes the pot sweeter at the end of the year forever. I mean, it's, you're going to have to make transactions. You're going to have to pull players. It's uh, it, it just goes to better for the team. We have all live drafts. I don't, I've only done like one online draft in my life. Everything I do is live drafts. Mm-hmm. So it makes the party fun. It makes everything else fun. It makes the prizes better. So, so, so this is redraft though, right? Uh, yeah, even in redraft, that's even, it's even easier on redraft. You could drop and pick somebody up whenever you want to. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it is a totally different conversation for me in redraft, but, uh, yeah. dynasty, dynasty is a little different just because, I mean, you know, regardless of, of what happens, I mean, you just, you don't have a way of going and getting another quarterback who's going to do anything for you. You know, if, if needed, there's, they're just not available. You know, your waivers are picked clean. Um, You've, you've got the rookie draft, but I mean, beyond Kyler Murray, what do we actually expect out of this year's crop? And even then, I mean, he's still a rookie and it's, there's, there's a pretty low floor even for him. So, and, and only one person got to draft him, and it was whoever had 1.01 in that, in that format. So yeah. They're they're so hard to come by. That's that's the whole deal. But uh, the other I, the other reason that I do it that way, and it's in both Superflex and two QB. The other reason I load up on them is just because of the trade value that they have. It's not so you know just to kind of clear this up once and for all. It's not that I necessarily want to go into a season with you know more than five quarterbacks in a Superflex league. I I'm fine. I I'm good with four quarterbacks in a super flex league, five in a two QB. Everything beyond that is just trade bait. And they're players that I can trade for. I, I can trade them straight up for a position player. Cause I don't have to get a quarterback in return because I've got everything that I need at quarterback already, oh, which man. makes that position player that I'm trading for that much better. If you had Nick Mullins in your roster and let's just say he was your fifth quarterback and Mariota went down. I mean, uh, not Mariota. Uh, Garoppolo. Garoppolo went down. Yes, in a two quarterback league, you are. There are sharks. There are sharks in the water coming for you for that that Nick Mullins pick. Especially the guys who only yep. have two quarterbacks. You could ask the world for that quarterback at that point in time for Nick Mullins. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, so that like that's a that's a ton of context just for overall two QB. So. Uh, and we still got to come back to it <laughs> for <laughs> for future rounds. But let's move on to the tight end premium. And, and again, we made this a heavy tight end premium. We made this 1.75 PPR for tight ends, a.k.a. Trade Addicts, uh, Trade Addict League uh, format. So uh, let's talk to James. Let's hear how you would reorganize this first round with that type of tight end premium, James. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, in the first round, there's it's tough to to bump a guy down. Um, but I think, I think I would probably bump a guy down, and I would put one tight end in the first round, and that would be Travis Kelsey. Right now, his ADP for Superflex leagues on Dynasty League Football, his July ADP it puts him at 24, which would be the last pick in the second round of a 12 team 
uh, startup draft. Uh, I think the guy that I'm probably bumping out of the first round, and it, it's tough to do because you look at all these names, it's like, man, this is brutal. But um, I, I'm probably pumping Juju Smith-Schuster down a little bit. I mean, I it's really tough for me because with my wide receiver rankings, he's, he's fifth and he would still be the fifth wide receiver. He would just go with the first pick of the second round, but I would have to put Kelsey there. And here's why, because he's just so consistent. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about, about him. He's a, he's a high, uh, a tight end plays in a high powered offense. He's the top target getter there. And if we're talking about 1.75, that's, that's, you're getting 0.75 points more per reception. Uh, for the tight end position, I, I really think that's going to be hard to make up. And tight ends, again, they take a little bit to kind of come into their own, which normally means they can play a little bit longer because early on they're not being used. They're not having those those targets. They're not getting uh, targeted early or, or anything like that. Um, so that helps them. So I'm okay with Kelsey right now. I think that would be a guy I would consider taking in the first round. I still think you get two to three really high-level uh, seasons from him. Uh, again, part of that passing offense, Patrick Mahomes is comfortable with him. I really like the the Chiefs offense. Tyreek Hill now not getting suspended I think only helps him. Um, you know, you can't really key on him when you have Tyreek Hill on the other side of the field and you know what he can do. So I, I – I would feel comfortable taking Kelsey at the end of the first round. I think with the 12th pick is probably where I'm taking him. Um, I'm still taking Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck and quarterbacks like that over him. But I think, I think right at 12 is probably where I'm targeting Travis Kelsey there. So end of the first round. That's, you know, if he's, let's just say he's expected to have a hundred reception season just for, just for craps and giggles. That's 175 points in receptions alone. That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. So that that premium really plays a huge, uh, a, a huge role in in moving him up, obviously. And so, while while I like, you know, there's two other tight ends that we're going to discuss um, coming up here in future rounds, um, for sure, that are coming up pretty quick here. I think Travis Kelsey is the tight end one, the guy that I would really want to have, and that's the guy that I think is worth a first round pick in this format. Other than that, I don't know that I'm spending a first round pick on anybody else, but uh, but I think Kelsey is worth that. Believe it or not, Zach Ertz actually outscored Travis Kelsey last season in 1.75. Yeah, no, I do believe it because his the total number of receptions for Zach Ertz was wasn't, wasn't that like a record? I mean, he 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 it was unreal. So yeah. I'm sure in that format he probably scored really well. My my problem with Ertz, and I'll, I'll get into him a little bit more later, but my problem with Ertz is I wonder when that usage starts going down and Dallas Goddard's usage starts going up. And I think that starts this year. While I still think he's going to be a valuable asset, I don't know that I'm willing to spend a first round pick on him for that reason. I agree. I and honestly, I think it just goes down this year, even with or without Goddard, because there were injuries last season. Um, Carson Wentz wasn't uh healthy for the first few games. I, I just I, I think that Ertz is due for regression while Kelsey has I mean, I think he has three straight 1,000-yard seasons. So I think he's the safest of those top three uh, tight ends. And, and like you said, I mean, Ertz and Kelsey came in in 13th and 14th in scoring last season at in 1.75 um, PPR. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that just gives you and, – and I'm I'm sure John will argue a little bit against this because he doesn't believe in tight end premium, but – um, but yeah, I, I mean, it gives you that boost for uh, Travis Kelsey and, and how much he's actually used. 
Well, yeah. so this this is why I wanted to give it 1.75, by the way, because that extra quarter of a point makes such a big difference to me. Yes. That, that it's actually compelling. At 1.5, I don't I don't think it makes a huge difference. Although I, I and this is this is where it does make the difference, though, by the way, is either way, like regardless of 1.5 or 1.75, it makes a difference in the first round or two because it does give those three guys in particular such a boost. So I, I'm still on board with it. Yeah, and for some context, I, I agree with what, what you just said. I think the top three tight ends, basically, what, what let's look at what fantasy is. We're looking to outscore our opponent. If we have one of those top three tight ends in a tight end premium, how are you going to make those points up? Because if you don't have one of those other top three tight ends, you know, you're going to have to make it up at other positions. Well, when that gap increases because those tight ends are getting targeted more, they're getting more receptions, so they're scoring more points in this type of format, now you have to find more ways to to, to kind of close that gap. So to me, that's really where where this, this really, um, the 1.75 really weighs it heavily towards those tight ends. I will say this too, the, the depending on your league format and depending on your starting you know, rosters and that sort of thing, it can very well have an effect to where tight ends as a whole do have more value. And the reason being is because if you can start them in flex spots, they may be more valuable to you on bye weeks than some of these wide receivers that you're rostering with deeper rosters. Uh, you might want to play a tight end. You know, if you have strength at that position, you have three strong tight ends, you drafted Irv Smith and, you know, um, uh, Kyle Rudolph goes down and Irv Smith's having a nice season. He might have value there at that tight end position because of that 1.75. You know, he might only get six receptions, but heck, that's, you know, that that 0.75 on those six receptions is huge. You know, I mean, you're getting, uh, what, an extra 4.75 points or something. I mean, you're getting a, a, a ton of, of, of more points there. Um, or no, you're getting, uh, dun, 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 you're yeah, you're getting even more than that. Um, so uh, that that uh, that that makes a big difference. So I think the tight end position as a whole can gain value as well. Uh, it just really depends on your roster size, the configurations, and whether or not you can start those guys in a flex or whether you can start more than one tight end. Yeah, that's the thing. So it, it, it depends a little bit. The, the number of flex spots kind of goes hand in hand with this premium, but that can be really important as well i think that's that's great context right there because i mean just imagine if you were able to get kelsey and kittle at the one two turn in this format give me give me a two wide receiver combination that you would take over kelsey and kittle i i can't think of one if you're getting 1.75 per reception for those guys i i can't I can't give you a, a combination to two wide receivers that I would prefer. So, I mean, if you, if you think of them more as pass catchers, you, you, you know, you lump together all the tight ends and all the wide receivers and just call them pass catchers. Those three tight ends are just so, so powerful. You're getting, 400, you're getting 450 points almost from Kelsey with that setup, with that situation. Yeah. But yeah. by the way, just in terms of trade addicts, um, Travis Kelsey was 14. The top wide receiver was a, was Devontae Adams at 20. Yeah. In that scoring. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And I think Kittle must have been pretty close to where pretty Kelsey close, yeah. was, right? 
Uh, yeah, yeah I, I didn't look, but I mean, oh yeah, he was he was thirtieth. He was thirtieth in scoring. So oh, that's not that good. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's third. Ertz was thirteenth. Kelsey was fourteenth, and then Kittle was thirtieth. But that includes all of the QBs, um, and some of the top wide receivers, and and some of the top running backs. So thirtieth, really, in in context of the tight end position, is actually very. good. Uh, let's get to the next one here, uh, and I'm just going to talk about six-point passing touchdowns um, and uh, negative four interceptions and maybe even separate the two a little bit. So, I mean, so for me, Aaron Rodgers is already 1.01 in Superflex. That's – there's – you know, that's pretty well documented at this point. But Wrong. <laughs> it, it, not wrong, but – here in this format, six point passing <laughs> touchdowns doesn't really change the pecking order too much for me. But if you do give negative four interceptions, that for sure has to raise Aaron Rodgers up, right? That that has to put him at one on one, correct? I mean, all the he threw two interceptions last year. You got 12 and a half touchdowns to every interception last year. And that's yeah, I, I don't. But didn't Mahomes still throw for like 15 more touchdown passes? He threw for 25 more touchdown passes. Right yeah, in just, a in a down year for Rodgers. How many interceptions did Mahomes have? Uh, I would have to look. I think it's like 12 or something. Yeah, Rodgers only threw two or three, right? Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, he threw two. So we'll call it 12. So I mean, 48 yeah. points. The, I, I have these stats memorized, by the way. I was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's so that's 48 points lost on interceptions. That but, makes up that but... that negates eight of his inter or of his touchdown passes in six point passing touchdowns. I'm gonna that's have to, I'm gonna have to it negates it, it negates twelve of his touchdowns in four point passing touchdowns. I'm gonna that's have... huge. That's yeah. that's not even half of what he threw over Rodgers, though. Just just saying. <laughs> well, okay, but is he is he going to throw fifty again? No, no Rodgers will have very, a better year. Is Rodgers going to throw two interceptions again, though? Yeah, I, uh, sure. No, I get out of here. Why not? Of course, Why not? because Aaron Rodgers can do no wrong in John's eyes. <laughs> you might only throw one. <laughs> oh my God! Both <laughs> <of> you, John, <laughs> both of you, man. There it is. <laughs> Listen, I knew. I, I knew we brought you on for. A I reason. will. I will give you that. He he pro likely will not throw double digit interceptions. But he only has one, or he has. Sorry, he has two seasons of forty plus touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, if if he throws 40 touchdowns and Mahomes throws oh, 45 touchdowns. You can't just go to 40 touchdowns like why not? Because that. that he doesn't do that regularly. I would I would say if he throws 35 and Mahomes throws like 42. Okay. Oh, that's fine. So a difference of seven. So and you need the exact same interception percentage. Yeah. And then the yardage to be closer. Yeah. Yeah, no big deal. And and the rushing yardage too, right? Well, it, yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That That's sounds fun. sounds So, but here's the other thing. This on short changing Rodgers and only giving him 35 touchdowns. What do you mean? How and is you that just convinced that that <laughs> Pat Mahomes is going to sleepwalk to 40 plus. 
Uh, because he basically has the same offense he had last season. He threw 50 in for his now. first year as a starter. What do you mean for now? What does that mean for now? They've already talked about trading Tyreek Hill. That it, was and, that was a that was an opinion piece that wasn't even if close they to a rumor. And if they don't, are you really going to tell me that you trust that guy to not get suspended? It's been constant drama his entire career. So That's fine. Far. I'm I'm saying that Patrick Mahomes lifts the people around him, so I'm not even concerned about that. So <laughs> can we say Mahomes would have like 36 and Rodgers would probably have somewhere around 30? Is that fair? No, it's it's going to be 40. I. <laughs> Mahomes is gonna get forty plus. See, that's that's what I mean. He's just gonna. It, it's just gonna naturally happen. He doesn't even have to try. Yeah, because he's the best quarterback in the league. <sighs> yep. God. Seconded. Aaron Rodgers has been the best quarterback in the league. For oh, he years. was. No, he was. No. Yes, you're right. No. He was. All right, look, you're both wrong. The best quarterback in the league is the guy who has the most strings, and that's Tom oh, Brady. Oh, God, get the best out. Quarterback uh, is Patrick Mahomes. Do not care about that even oh, a, my God. a little bit. Oh, not God. even in the slightest. Right. This, so we don't, by the way, we don't get fantasy points for Super Bowl victories. That's correct. I know. That's why by I way, said the, the best way. quarterback in the league is Tom Brady. The best fantasy quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. But he's not the best no. quarterback. Oh, my God. Um, he's the GOAT. <laughs> no. I, I that might be fine. That might be, but he is not the best quarterback in the league right now. Oh man. All right. Anyways, so I, I'll I'm you, gonna leave Pat Mahomes at the at or near the very top <laughs> of my ADP. What, what a cop. I'm trying to be diplomatic about this so that we can move the hell on. <laughs> you and I have plenty to argue about oh, tonight. There we go. So Mahomes stays. <laughs> To me, Aaron Rodgers jumps way up there as well. Andrew Luck jumps way up there as well. Deshaun Watson throws way up there as well. And, and it's because all of these guys, first of all, have a chance to take advantage of the six-point-per-passing touchdown. They also have they also protect the ball pretty well, and they can keep the interceptions down. Pat Mahomes and Andrew Luck weren't nearly as efficient and as effective with that as Aaron Rodgers was in 2018. But I, I still, to me, those are still, those are still guys who are not going to turn the ball over a whole lot. So they move up into the first round as well. I mean, six point passing touchdowns. I'm, I honestly, I'm moving Carson Wentz up into the first round. And uh, that's, that's probably it. I'll, I'll stop there, even though, I mean, I I could easily just load this first round with quarterbacks. I'll be somewhat yeah. realistic with it here and just say my top five guys are all first rounders, and they're all guys who, again, throw touchdowns, not just run for touchdowns, but throw touchdowns and protect the ball. So let's get back to redraft. Stomp. Did you take a shot at Lamar Jackson there? Is that what I heard? <laughs> don't what, you no, don't need to I mean, stir things up listen i i i get it in terms of like if you're gonna move guys that are gonna throw more touchdowns and uh throw less interceptions above guys like lamar jackson who i would project as like 20 ish touchdown passing i mean ish in in that range is 15 probably to 22 or something like that yeah. Versus, lo- like, I would of- rather I would rather have Matt Ryan in a six six point passing touchdown than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, 
So Lamar Jackson, I mean, a, a, a lot of his upside is predicated on running the ball. I mean, I think that's fair right. to say. And and it, and the touchdown side of that is neutralized by the six point passing touchdown. Correct. So it's yeah. I mean, it's it's valid. I'm not. Listen, I love Lamar Jackson, but I'm not that like. <laughs> yeah. Over the top. <laughs> okay. Okay. So he definitely has a place here, but uh, it's it's not in the first round by right. any means. Oh, it might um, be. He's that good. <laughs> No, and then what about if if he's in a situation with the minus four, minus four, uh, um, for interceptions? I mean, he might throw more interceptions than he does touchdowns. Oh, the, oh my God! Oh my God! He wants me. He it's wants me to rage. <laughs> my new favorite guest. This oh my God! Uh, you just broke Stompy. So, just in time for his turn. Holy shit! So let's see how nope, redraft Superflex nope. ADP looks when you're on full tilt and you're already a, a volcano constantly on the verge of eruption. Stompy, give us just just work with maybe the next two or three rounds and uh, reorganize them a little bit. Um, and maybe take your meds first. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> So grumpy. Uh, uh yeah uh well so personal preference here i'm not baker mayfield is qb5 off the board that's not happening in redraft it's not happening in dynasty for me um and then i i mean i would have to look at guys like uh drew Brees, um all the way back at qb78 and i and i get it but like i mean the guy continues to put up numbers despite them not throwing as much um let me look here so you're referring to redraft right now correct yes okay i mean drew Brees was the qb8 last season and of the top 10 he was the second lowest passing attempts to russell wilson and and if you're gonna i mean we could we could talk about and we'll talk about this with the six point passing touchdown as well, but drew Brees, 32 touchdowns to five interceptions. Like the guy's going to put up numbers and I, I I get the hype with Baker. Um, I've been one of the detractors of Baker because I, I, I'm a prove it guy with him. Um, But I would rather have that safe pick in drew Brees, which I, I believe he's a safe top 10 pick there. So I'm moving him probably, I it's more than I'm moving Baker back behind guys like um, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, um, probably Jared Goff. Guy, Kyler Murray's going really early for me too, especially in redraft. So I'm probably moving him back. Um, and then I'm moving some of these older guys up, uh, like Matt. Ryan, I mean Matt Ryan. There's no way that he should be going. Um, 30 in the 38 to me in redraft like he should probably be top five to seven quarterback here um so i'm i i might even move him to five where baker's at and just start moving baker back a little bit um cam newton's right behind matt ryan and his, his arm looks fine i'm moving him up still especially in redraft <sighs> And then, and then there's guys like uh, Antonio Browns who who's going 32nd overall, but very easily can finish top five. Uh, it's a little iffy about volume, 
but I might put him right behind Mike Evans um, in terms of wide receivers, but I might move him behind uh, probably around 18 there where Melvin Gordon's going, especially because of where, uh, of the situation with Melvin Gordon. But I think Antonio Brown, regardless of volume is still somebody that is going to put up good numbers this season. He might not put up a 1400 yard performance, but 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns is absolutely in the realm of possibility. And I think that's the key here is that with redraft and and I know I don't, we have smart listeners, so I don't have to say this, but age really doesn't matter unless they're like on the back end of a career, like Tom Brady really not moving up here because Tom Brady's just not going to be an elite talent anymore. He's just slowly, slowly on the decline, mind you, but he's, he's on still that the decline. He's oh, still God. the best. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> but, but guys like, like right. Julio, like Antonio Brown, um, I've got, guys, huh? I've, I've got one for you, by the way, going 45th overall wide receiver, 16 and dynasty yeah. AJ green needs to be so much higher in redraft. Um, Ty T Y Hilton probably needs to move up above. Um, probably guys like Amari Cooper, Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a lot of, we'll call it ageism here <laughs> in terms of, like, like you said, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green. Um, we talked about Cam Newton, Matt Ryan. Uh, Drew Brees is all the way down there. There's just a lot of guys who are older that are dropping in these, obviously in these dynasty ranks, but in redraft are going to shift up. So guys like, like I said, um, Baker Mayfield at, at 17, I'm not taking him there because I can get guys like um, Drew Brees, like uh, – Matt Ryan, like Cam Newton, that I feel more comfortable will finish top 10. And I don't have to worry about them lasting two, three years, four years here. They only have to last a year for me. And then guys like Kyler Murray. Why is Kyler Murray? (laughs) Kyler Murray is QB or at going at 34, which I don't know what QB that is, but I would rather have Jared Goff there. I would again, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, like just a lot of, and, and that's, and that's something we have tried to reiterate on the show is that QBs don't necessarily age like the rest of these players, Matt Ryan, though he is what we, we found he's like 35, 35. Mm-hmm. He's still probably got three to four good years left. Cam Newton. And I don't know how old Cam Newton is either, but he's got to be in his thirties. Wow. Well, yeah, it does have his injury history. He's still a big boy and he's still probably got uh five ish years left of, of top end QB play Um, guys like Matt Stafford, who yes, had a, had a bad year last year, but apparently had a broken back the entire year due for a bounce back. He's only 31 and he very easily could have good, a very good five years left. Like that's something here that we, even in dynasty, a lot of players don't take into account is that Q, older QBs are just as good as some of those young QBs. Yeah, I mean that's it is the truth, but uh, you know that's especially the rules in the NFL nowadays. You can't even sneeze on a quarterback without getting penalized. So that's why they're, they're lasting a lot longer because of that kind of stuff. But it's uh, if the numbers are the same, especially in redraft, I don't see, I don't really care. But in dynasty, I'm I'm 
if the stats are going to be somewhat comparable, I'm going after the younger guy. No, no, I, I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. Um, but I'm saying, like, when when we're looking at guys like Matt Ryan, Cam Newton going behind Kyler Murray, or or Jared Goff going behind Kyler Murray, like, well, that's, that's what a little I'm different. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. even like Dak, Dak <laughs> going after Kyler is pretty crazy to me. Right, and 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 Baker Mayfield going so early when we have multiple guys with top ten seasons. Jared, like I said, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott going behind Baker Mayfield, who I believe was QB like 15 in points per game last season. Um, just, just because they're younger does not mean they're better. And no. just because a guy is in his 30s as a QB does not mean he's going to be retiring anytime soon. But um, that was a little bit scattershot for me. So, yeah, a lot of these uh, older guys, Antonio Brown, like I said, Antonio Brown, um, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, that are going later in the third and fourth, I'm moving up because all of those guys have uh, wide receiver one upside, whereas like guys like Stefan, I, I like Stefan Diggs, but he's got um, injury issues. And he's never had a, a, a wide receiver one season, or he may have last season, but it was a back end. Um, so, and, and like Adam Thielen, I don't love Adam Thielen because I think he's due for regression. Yes. Uh, and then there's, and then like guys like Todd Gurley, there's got to be con- some concern there. Um, Lev Bell, there's got to be concern there. So, these older wide receivers, basically what we're looking at is guys that have the a legitimate chance to finish at in, inside the top 12 at their position. You need to be moving up just because of their age. Yeah, definitely. The other thing, that, the thing is kind of buoying both Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, among others, in uh, in Dynasty is the fact that once they're on a roster, they're there, you know, I mean, you can trade for them obviously, but it's going to be expensive. It's so much easier to just take them in the startup. So it's really kind of a FOMO type of thing, you know, that, that, yes. that fear of missing out, it gets pretty powerful in dynasty, but in redraft, you don't have to worry about that. If you don't get them this year and they do have that breakout, just get them next year. So, so that it should absolutely. And that's, that's what this exercise is all about. That context is so important. So, you know, the, that's where dynasty ADP completely separates from redraft ADP right. is the fact that you don't have to, it, it doesn't mean you, that you miss out on Baker Mayfield forever. If you miss him this year in your draft and he does happen to break out. And I think, I think a lot of dynasty players, uh, try to apply dynasty to redraft and you can take advantage of that where Antonio Brown is going at 32 and he still has a legitimate chance to finish top five. And he's going at 32. He's going in what the middle of middle to back end of the third. Yeah. Like I'm taking, I'm taking a shot on him all day there. Um, And, and granted like dynasty on bringing dynasty to redraft can help you because you can take shots on uh, rookies um, at the back end that could have a legitimate shot at touches that season. But like when you shouldn't bring in your 
whatever ageism from dynasty over to redraft. Cause that's just going to affect you in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so while we're on this, because we're actually kind of running out of time for this topic. So um, why don't you, do you have anybody else beyond, you know, those third, fourth rounds that, that you feel like need to, move up in in redraft super flex um guys who need to move down um just kind of put a bow on this format i suppose um i mean like i said guys like matthew stafford philip rivers i mean mm-hmm. philip rivers was qb 14 last season but he's going behind uh josh allen <laughs> oh boy uh jimmy g sam darnold uh mitch trubisky which we'll talk about here in a second um i i think a lot of a lot of this has to do with and 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 it being a super flex show is is the older qbs a lot of these older qbs you can have a legit like qb1 next season and you can be getting him super late um but yeah, maybe like Larry Fitzgerald is a guy that could be leaned on um, for one season with a young QB. Uh, but yeah, those are, I'm more looking at the the quarterbacks here and some of these older quarterbacks, especially can absolutely hit this season, give you a QB one season. And that's all you really need in a redraft uh, redraft league. All right. So let's get back to the two quarterback format here john and uh again just kind of particularly the kind of the second third maybe fourth round and then just kind of an overview uh kind of a long view of uh of the adp and and so that we can just kind of put a bow on that format uh let's so in a super flex here um on dlf i got 20 Carson Wentz, 21. What do you think? What, how do you think? Is that too low, too high for him? Is that something that when you're in the second, when you're near the end of the second round, are you going Carson Wentz if you picked a uh, top four running back in the first round? Or are you looking somewhere else? I'm for sure taking Wentz. I've got him as my quarterback five. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like I said, I mean, to me, the first – you know, almost the first half of the first round is quarterback. So, um, so he'd be gone in your draft if it was if it was twelve of you in one draft, he'd be gone <laughs> he way would, before then. Yeah, he would go at one point oh five. Um, I, I mean, I, I, and I could also make the argument that you know, you you take a running back or a wide receiver in the first round beyond those top, you know, three or four quarterbacks, and then, um, it, I think because it, it's it's a tear break for me from yeah. The top four guys, you know, Rogers, Luck, Mahomes, and and uh, Watson are all kind of a tier of their own. So I could I could see letting Wentz fall to the second round, but mm-hmm. I would want to take him at two hundred one, probably. Okay, I mean that makes sense. That's fine. I know. I would think before the end of if you had the first, let's say, pick number two, you came back, you were uh, two eleven with your second pick. I would think that if you don't at that point in time with that 202 or the 302 or the two, sorry, the 211 or the 302, you would need to grab at least your number one quarterback by then, or else you're going to be in a world of hurt by the time it comes back to you in the fourth, the end of the fourth round. 
Yeah, exactly. I yeah, to me, I think that you want to come out of the second round with at least one quarterback. At least one quarterback. That's okay. That's yeah. And and the possible exception could be, you know, if if you drafted one oh one, it's it's possible that you wait until you know three oh one to take your first quarterback. Yes. I don't love it. I mean, the longer you wait the harder it's going to be to get quality guys. I mean, you can get um, a Dak Prescott. You can get a Kirk Cousins. Yeah. You can get, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, who else is around here? That Jared Goff. You can get Cam Newton. All at 301. You could pick your litter of guys in the middle of the rounds. That's why I, I'm, sure. not a big, I'm not a big opening the draft with a quarterback kind of guy. Yeah, the, so the problem is, I mean, your your quarterback one is going to be fine. But first of all, you're you're hoping that guys like, you know, Philip Rivers, Matthew Stafford, um, fall to you as your quarterback too. And wait a second, wait a second. I can get Marcus Mariota. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That that's the ace up our sleeves, but yeah. luckily we've got that one. We're kind of on that island. So uh it's it's us, it's the two of us, Dynasty Outhouse and J Mike. That's kind of it <laughs> versus the versus the world. Yep, that's Mariota <laughs> Island right now, uh, versus yeah the rest of the world. But but yeah, so I mean the other problem is you know regardless of who that guy is that you're looking for as your quarterback too, you're going to end up reaching past some really good you know wide receivers and running backs to take that guy just to secure a, a quarterback too that you're not particularly enthused about and you're going to have to do it again probably one or two more times after that so that's where i feel like it's best to just get your quarterbacks out of the way so that Mm -hmm. you don't have to reach for for quarterbacks that you don't actually want yeah i'm i mean i'm okay with drafting my quarterback around the beginning of round three and then coming back and two rounds later, maybe getting a Matthew Stafford or a, uh, you know, um, my, my, I would not know about maybe even a Roethlisberger somewhere around there. Nice. So, yeah, if it works out that way, that's really not a bad, I mean, you know, that's, that's a pretty, that's a, be a pretty strong group of three quarterbacks. If it falls that way, where else would we, what are strategies you guys have as far as two quarterbacks are concerned? I, I talked about before about, you know, the different kind of people and where they draft or where they, uh, you know, who takes early, who takes middle, who takes late. And, you know, some people prefer to wait on quarterbacks. What, what are strategies do you guys have just right from the get go? Take your guys and that's it. Take your quarterbacks right from the get go and don't even play around. Is that kind of how most of you guys are, are built? Nope. I, I, <laughs> I'm more of a weight guy, um, but I, I believe in some of these later round guys. I mean, I, I've talked about Lamar Jackson ad uh, nauseum at this point. Yeah. I really like Dak Prescott. Um, there, there's just a lot of guys later that I think are or can be QB ones that I would rather wait on and grab early running backs. But that's just how I play fantasy football. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, if they'll fall there, that's I, I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, at some point, value over replacement has to kick in. I mean, oh, even true. even as a quarterback guy, I still have to acknowledge that there's not a huge difference between, you know, uh, 
Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford. Even well, I, like Mike Tyson uh, says, everybody has a plan until you punch in the face, you know? That's right. So. <laughs> that, that, that definitely applies here. Yes. All right. So let's get back to the tight end premium. What do you think, James? Um, put a bow on this one for us. Yeah, there's really only two other guys that I'd consider taking, and both of them I would take in the second round. For me, George Kittle is ranked higher than Zach Ertz. I would take George Kittle probably early in the second round. I'm thinking with one of the first three picks in the second round is where I'd start considering him. Um, and as far as uh, the other guy is Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz is towards the end of, of the second round is when I think I'd start considering him. Um, the, some of the guys that I'd be moving down that are currently in the second round um, on the, again, dynastyleaguefootball.com on their uh, Superflex ADP, um, obviously with moving Kelsey up, um, you know, we had to move somebody down. So then looking at who's there, this is going to surprise nobody, but Delvin Cook is going to be a guy that I'm going to move out of the second round. I just think there's too much risk to to that pick. And Melvin Gordon's another guy right now that I don't know that I'm comfortable taking in the second round. I don't know when he's going to report, and I don't know that as of right now, if I'm drafting, I'm spending a second round pick on a guy I'm not so sure about. So um, those are guys I'm moving out, and then I'm moving Kittle and Zach Ertz in. I think both those guys have a, uh, a, a big-time edge over guys that uh, I have ranked fourth and fifth um, and, and further down. So those are guys I'd be willing to spend a second round pick on with this premium being so high. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, I, I love that. I, I mean, especially in a premium, I, it's, it's an, almost a no brainer to me to do that. I agree. I And honestly, this will move guys like uh, OJ Howard up, Evan Ingram up, uh, Hunter Henry up. And I don't necessarily love that because really I am the, of the belief you can really only trust those top three and even like Kittle and Ertz, I think are due for a little bit of a regression. So I don't even know if I would be taking any of them in the second is my fear. Yes. The third, I think both should go in the third, but I just, I have a fear of regression with those two, uh, and the only one that I can, I feel I could truly trust is Kelsey. So if I'm not getting Kelsey in the first, I'm probably not getting a, a tight end until later because I think everybody else is going too early for me. I agree with that. So what this tight end premium does is it moves the guys up overall. It doesn't necessarily separate tight ends from one another. It does separate that top tier from you know, from the rest and maybe the second tier also separates from the rest a little bit, but uh, for the most part, it doesn't really affect, you know, the tight ends within the position uh, as far as their, their ADP goes, but this type of premium, I think just kind of moves them up in general. Um, so it, it, it makes it to me, I think I would still be, I would be looking for, for guys who, you know, look like they're going to get a, a higher target share. And uh, I, I mean, I think that we've kind of, we've mostly identified those guys. I don't know. Do you guys, would you guys feel particularly comfortable with like Evan Ingram, OJ Howard? That was my next question. Where would you put those guys in 1.75? How far up would you move them? I mean, I, I think personally that... wouldn't move them up very much, but go ahead, Stomp. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I would think most are going to be moving them up in the fourth, fifth, into the fourth and fifth rounds, which 
it's a whole round, round and a half difference. It's yeah. just it, it's this it's this thing where people freak out and like, oh my god, it's tight end premium. So these guys have to go earlier. And it's just like <laughs> I, I mean, beyond again, beyond those top three and really the top one, I don't know how much you can trust tight ends at this point in time. I would rather have like three guys that I can stream at the back end of a draft and get elite talent early in terms of running backs and wide receivers, then try and take a shot at tight end. Yeah, I, I agree that that's, that's, that's my philosophy too. I, I kind of, I'm like a chameleon. I kind of fit in a little bit with each one of you guys. So, but uh, you know, you have to have a strategy and you have to pick something at the draft and I'm, I'm okay with moving up Evan Ingram, maybe around round and a half and a OJ Howard. I'm not sure. I like Ingram a little bit better than Howard, but, uh, but I agree with that. Nice. Well, let's finish this thing off then, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, six-point passing touchdown, uh, negative four interceptions. So again, six-point passing touchdown doesn't change a whole lot for me at the quarterback position. I think it moves quarterbacks up a little bit uh, in the overall ADP, uh, but uh, for the most part, it's not going to change my quarterback rankings too, too much. It does bump down um, the the running quarterbacks a little bit. So, and then especially when you add in that negative four for interceptions, uh, I'm going to end up moving up guys like Kirk Cousins and Ben Roethlisberger, even in dynasty, uh, he's going to go from quarterback 19 up close in the, in the top, probably 14, I would say. Um, guys like Lamar Jackson and Jameis Winston are going to fall. Jameis Winston's too high anyways, quarterback 14. I mean, it just he—he he needs to be way lower than that, anyways, because <laughs> he's terrible. <laughs> I like so, James Winston. Is yeah. Win- oh, yeah. is Jameis above Mariota? Yeah, he's way above Mariota. Wow, interesting. Okay, way above Mariota. Yeah, Mariota is quarterback twenty-eight. Yeah, Jameis is quarterback fourteen. Yeah, well, at least gotta... one of them is where they belong. <laughs> that easily could have been an, an anti-Jameis statement, but you just insisted on staying on Mariota. No, no, no. It was anti-both. It, but it focused way too much on Mariota. Okay, anyways, that that's pretty much the gist of it for me. Six-point pa- passing touchdowns, negative four interceptions even more so you bump down the running quarterbacks. Here's the problem with a guy like Lamar Jackson too. You know, not only the fact that a lot of his product, his production is going to come from running the ball. The other problem is when he does start running around, it, it gets so much harder. The The completion percentage for any quarterback, I don't care who you are. The, the completion percentage is going to drop when you start running and trying to throw on the run. That's just not something that the human body is meant to do. It affects accuracy. The interceptions are going to go up. The completion percentage is going to go down. That's just all there is. That's all there is to a stomp. You, I'm sorry. You and I it's, are going to fight about this because that's not what Lamar Jackson does. You know, I, can I add to that a little bit? Because some people are, they, they, they grew up from a young age doing that type of passing, you know, scrambling, getting open, finding somebody on a run, hitting them in stride, you know, like, uh, you know, little, uh, little flag routes and post routes and, you know, short yardage passes. So mm-hmm. some quarterbacks are made to throw the ball on the run. I mean, it's not like a, a Philip Rivers game or, a, you know, a Tom Brady game, but, you know, it obviously a, a Kyler Murray, a, uh, 
you know, Mitch Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, those kind of guys, they could do that because they've done that their whole life. It's not, it's not, it may not work for some guys, but it does work for other guys. And I'm not saying they throw the ball far on the run, but their game is scrambling, 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 and throw it away somebody, you know, on the run while, you know, while somebody's getting open because they waited seven seconds to throw the ball. Lamar Jackson is a good pocket passer. There's just a very okay guided i don't miss there's a big misconception about lamar jackson yes he's extremely fast he's a very good runner but he's also a very good pocket passer well that's fine when he's in the pocket that's fine i'm not worried about him when he's standing in the pocket and and that's the whole thing lamar jackson with his feet planted is always going to be a better passer than lamar jackson trying to throw on the run and that's to me that that's true of every quarterback because you lose velocity and you can also lose accuracy when you're trying to throw on the run. The the thing, if Lamar Jackson takes off and runs, then there's a much better chance that he's going to try and throw on the run. I mean, Mm. is he just going to tuck it and run every single time he takes off? I I, I don't think generally does. Yes. Uh, we have a very small sample size of him so far. Seven. Well, games, you're so. wrong though. So you are wrong. Uh, I do have a question. Like, so how far back for like running quarterbacks would you move? So let's, so Dak Prescott right now is going at 44. Mm-hmm. Kirk cousins is going at 55. Would you put Kirk cousins over Dak? No. Uh, yeah, I, I have Kirk Cousins ranked ahead of Dak anyways. So yeah. Um, but that's only because the, the touchdown to interception ratio was, I I mean, it was 30 to 10 for, for Cousins last year. What was it yeah. for Dak? It was, I don't it, know. It was 20 I mean, something. he, and, and I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll give you that. I mean, Dak definitely, he still protects the ball pretty well. So I, I don't punish him in my rankings, but, um, for me, the Kirk Cousins is very efficient, very clean with the football. Okay, so yeah, he's like, also got he's also got Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and that's true and too. Prescott, well, <laughs> well, he's got Cooper. Everything that you say, like yeah. everything, that yeah, comes dude, out it's of your like mouth. disdain in your voice. Yeah. Like that's yeah. Cooper. Um, <laughs> he just finds ways to bring up all of the guys that he hates. So, how about here's a better example? What about like Mitchell Trubisky versus Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one because I don't, I don't know that Garoppolo's touchdown passing touchdown upside is particularly high. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's a great example. I would take the running quarterbacks over Jimmy Garoppolo, even though I think that Jimmy Garoppolo probably throws more touchdown passes than, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, um, probably even Lamar Jackson. But I think that it's close enough that I would still want the the rushing ability. Another one is like Jared Goff versus Kyler Murray, but I, I think you have Kyler Murray ranked relatively low just because of his, yeah. his rookie. Right. Um. I, I guess the the point is I don't know how much they actually do drop in terms of these ADPs, because I mean you have Dak and then Lamar and then. Uh, Jameis, <laughs> uh, and then Kirk Cousins, and I mean, you probably take Kirk Cousins over Lamar Jackson, so you're dropping Lamar Jackson there. Do you take Mitchell Trubisky over Lamar Jackson, though? It's close. Uh, I mean, they're all they're almost even. Yeah, yeah, same for me. 
like the way the way I'm looking at this is there's not, especially in terms of this ADP, there's just not a lot of shifting when it comes to running versus passing quarterbacks. Like, yeah, usually those running, I mean, the running quarterbacks, the ones that we think of, Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to even put Josh Allen in this category because he's not a running quarterback. <laughs> um, Dak Prescott, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, and the only other one is Deshaun Watson, but we know Deshaun Watson also can throw for 30-plus touchdowns. Yeah, he's a little bit different. But those mm-hmm. those guys that throw for lesser touchdowns and run, they're in, their ADP isn't at a point where it's like, okay, I'm willing to move Sam Darnold over – um Lamar Jackson and I and and maybe you are over Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott at this point. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So and yeah, I, in, in your head in your head it, it you would say sure, yeah, you would drop them back a little bit because they're only going to throw for 20 some odd touchdowns and run for uh more yards. But mm-hmm. if it's a six point touchdown, you want to throw for more touchdowns, but they're going in a place where there's a lot of question marks around those QBs. So I don't know how much that ADP actually shifts. Yeah, I, I think that it's a little bit more noticeable because, like I said, I mean, the first thing that you do with six point passing touchdowns is you raise all the quarterbacks up a little bit, you know, and then so from there, I mean, you, when you've got the quarterbacks a little bit more bunched together. Uh, at the in the top you know eight rounds or whatever uh that's when that's when it gets a little bit more noticeable that you know you're you're swapping out a running quarterback for more of a pocket passer but i I mean i think it's a fair point there's there's still not going to be a lot of movement there aren't a lot of of those quarterbacks that you know rely heavily on that rushing ability i feel like it's a chess game for these guys would you rather have you know, another 500 yards rushing and four or five more touchdowns for Lamar Jackson or a thousand yards more passing for Trubisky. Like what, what would you rather have? Like it's, it's, I mean, almost the same, but they're just come from different sources. Yeah. Yeah. Which in, and that's the big thing to me, the passing touchdowns are a little safer, even though I don't. But if that's the case though, then, then you're looking at running rushing yards versus passing yards and you're going to take rushing yards. Yeah, that's true. But Yep, very. That's that's very true too. But anyways, they, all all good discussions, and I think this is all vitally important uh, for people who are who are getting into to you know super flex and two QB leagues that aren't that don't necessarily fit exactly into the mold of the DLF uh, super flex ADP. Um, it, it, they're not always you know straight PPR. They're not always four point passing touchdowns. They're not always dynasty. So it's important to consider that context and make those decisions accordingly. But we need to get on. We need to move on a little bit here. Uh, we've got a longstanding tradition of uh, asking our guests for a, a bold prediction for the upcoming season. Uh, one that's going to make us question your sanity, John McGlynn. Yeah. So it's time. John, show us your nuts. As long as I'm on the Superflex Super Show, which is a dream come true to me, by the way, uh, it's my favorite podcast. Nice. I'll uh, I'll discuss the Superflex position here. So, I think you're nuts if you think that Mitch Trubisky will finish as a top ten quarterback this year. Uh, so I've heard that a, a bunch of podcasts. I've seen it at a bunch of sites. Uh, being from Chicago, it's going to hurt a little bit uh, to tell like to tell like I think it is, but um, he's probably looking at 
just over 500 attempts this year, which would put him somewhere near quarterback 20. Um, he's probably also he's going to have probably right around 300 completions. Uh, that'll be, probably also be around quarterback 20. Um, that's only about seven and a half yards per per pass, um, and he's a dump off quarterback. That's uh, I'm not really sure that Tariq Cohen can uh, can have a magical season and kind of save Mitch's butt like he did last year. Um, Mitch should have around 65 rushing attempts. So that's pretty good. Uh, but he's not catching anyone off guard last like this year. I think last year everybody had their backs turned at Trubisky, expecting him to throw the ball, and he just took off and was all over the field, scored a couple touchdowns that way. Uh, they're going to be looking for that this year. He's not going to just have free run of the field. Um, he, as a matter of fact, uh, he finished the end. As soon as people started figuring him out towards the end of last year, he finished quarterback 23 in the final quarter of the season. Um, he only had like four good games last year, and out of – out of his 24 passing touchdowns, almost half of them came in the last four games. As a matter of fact, 25% of those came in one game alone versus the horrible Buccaneers. So, um, And also, there's no way the Bears' defense can repeat awesome, the awesome season they had last year, uh, putting the offense in some awesome prime scoring conditions and some great field positions to kind of run run some tricky offenses. Um, look for opposing defenses to pin their ears back and blitz from the outside to stop Mitch from scrambling and to force him to be a quick decision pocket passer. That's not really his game. Um, if you watch if you watch Bears games last year, I watched the red zone, but every once in a while if the Bears are on prime time or Monday Night Football, Matt Nagy had some really cute, questionable play calling last year. And uh, I don't think those, those cute play calls are going to work like they did last year. It just seemed like everything worked for the Bears last year. They it, they couldn't do anything wrong. And they made it pretty far, but they had to double dunk to kind of end their season. But uh, – it's um I don't think that's Mitch is gonna fare well as well as everybody thinks. I know there's a lot of optimism in Chicago, a lot of optimism for Bears fans and Mitch Trubisky fans ac- across the board, but I'm not seeing that happening this year. Mm. <laughs> so by the way, he actually he uh he didn't he didn't really show us uh the he's nuts he kind of tried to he throw he threw our nuts back at us if that if that makes sense he I told us through i think he threw the entire bears fan base under the <laughs> their nuts under under the bus or whatever but i'm a dolphins fan so I'll, let's let's have that as a uh <laughs> oh good to know good to know um because, hey go albert wilson um there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, this one's tough for me because so he was the QB twelve in points per game last season, and, and you're right, he was he was extremely inconsistent, uh, extremely. And as as our friend Aton Mosia likes to call him, he or he's he's Blake Bortles two point Oh damn! Yeah, <laughs> I don't uh, know how I missed that. Um. I just he, he had five games with 10, 10 or less fantasy points last yeah. year. He, he was so he, I I had him in the uh, Scott Fishbowl and towards the end of the season he was just super unreliable. Yeah. Here's my issue is that he's it's a second season in a Matt Nagy offense and you I mean you make a good point that uh and and you can see it with the two seasons that Nagy's been a play caller that he's only going to throw about 500 times. Uh, I have to believe his completion percentage stays around the same. So I think you're about right. 320, 330 completions. 
honestly, this might not be that nuts. Now that yeah. I, now that I'm talking about it. Yeah, I don't think it's incredibly nuts. I mean, I I've got I've got pretty high hopes for that entire offense, but um yeah, I mean, I think that there's uh it it's certainly not a slam dunk. So But apparently yeah. Chicago thinks that's absolutely nuts. So good for you, John. Nice. Hey man, tell it like it is. Sometimes it hurts to tell the truth. Hey, let's let's put it this way too. Vegas also thinks you're nuts because they've taken more bets on Mitchell Trubisky winning MVP at his odds than any other player. So, so they they think you're nuts too. And uh, I think I, Vegas I, is nuts. I, yeah, I tell you what, I I it man, the quarterback position this year is just so crazy because there's probably 15 to 18 guys that I could make an argument for being a top 10 quarterback this year. So would it shock me if Mitchell Trubisky wasn't top 10? No, not at all. But I do think that he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback asset. And by that, I mean, in dynasty, I think he's, his value is going to go up. I think he'll continue getting better um, as the seasons progress. And I think that defense is going to allow him more opportunities to get better because they're going to keep them in games. Um, I look at that offense. I look at Allen Robinson in a contract year. Um, again, like you said, Stompy, he's in the second year of that Matt Nagy offense. Um, he's working with Anthony Miller for the second year. They got a, a running back in David Montgomery, who while I'm not totally sold on, he he can catch the ball a whole lot better than Jordan Howard could out of the backfield. I think that allows them to use Cohen in the same backfield and to split him out wide and to kind of use him in different ways. And and I like that too. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that, uh, that you, I think you guys are, are all right it's not a slam dunk that Mitchell Trubisky ends up a top 10 quarterback even with all those things working in his favor Chicago's still a tough city to throw the ball in they the wind the weather um, Soldier Field doesn't play well for quarterbacks later in the year so it, it's tough it, it's going to be tough for him to be top 10 um, so I, I don't think you're nuts at all really to be honest thank you so just a little bit nuts that's uh that's pretty rare that uh that you get a a consensus on that. So in fact, a unanimous uh, decision. There, yeah, but so. we're not from Chicago either. So I, w- I'd watch your back there, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am from Chicago. Chicago. I don't live there, but I was, I, okay. I'm at the college. Sh- there and you I, knew what I meant, James. I'm Shut up. Chicago, okay? <laughs> All right. God. <laughs> All right. So now that James pulled the pin, let's get to our last segment. And uh, this is probably going to be a, a recurring one. I hope not every yes, week, but every we'll see. Week. I'm going <laughs> to oh, no. I have something to bitch about every week. We're handing it over to the Cranky Cardinals fan, aren't we? That's right. Stompy's Festivus celebration, airing of grievances. Let's let's hear it. So, so this started with a Warren Sharp tweet. Uh, oh. And I, and I retweeted it, and James decided to answer a little bit. And, and and if you haven't been listening to us lately, James has been a little bit ornery. Um, <laughs> whether that is embracing the troll or I don't know what, or something's going on in his life and we just don't know about it. But this is what Warren Sharp tweeted. Uh, and this is for Carlos Hyde. His success rate in 2017 was 43% at 3.9 yards per carry versus Breda's 47% uh, success rate and 4.4 yards per carry. In 2018 with the Browns, Chubb had a 50% success rate, 5.2 yards per carry. Duke Johnson had a 49% success rate, 4.8 yards per carry. 
Carlos Hyde had a 38% success rate and 3.4 yards per carry. After he was traded to the Jaguars, and I don't even like Fournette, but Fournette had a 47% success rate, 3.3 yards per carry. Yelled in a 47% success rate, 4.0 yards per carry. Hyde had a 40% success rate and 3.3 yards per carry. The point is, and this is what I said on my retweet, was that Hyde is a Jag. And not not just a Jacksonville Jaguar, but (laughs) just a guy. And that Damian Williams has nothing to worry about. And James decides to come in and call. And I believe he said two Jags, one cup at one time. So good for you, James, for being witty. I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And regardless of how you feel about Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde has demonstrably been worse than Damian or Damian Williams has been. And Carlos Hyde has one of been one of the worst running backs of the past few seasons when it comes to analytics. So again, and, and, and I was, we were, I was, talking to Scott Barrett today, name drop. Uh, and he is on Damian Williams like he was on Christian McCaffrey last season. Now that's not saying that he is Christian McCaffrey. He's just saying that he is a good buy and he has a good chance to be a an RB1 or even a top five RB next season. And <laughs> I... I'm not going to exactly quote it correctly, but this is effectively what he said. I asked him if, if Damian Williams is, is a Jag. And he said, if Damian Williams is a Jag in terms of, in, in terms of the NFL, possibly, but Carlos Hyde is a Jag in terms of you and I sitting here at the computer. <laughs> and so that tells me that Carlos Hyde is trash. He is below a Jag. And Damian Williams is not in any way, shape, or form in danger of losing his job. Uh, I, I am not a big Damian Williams fan, so I, uh, it's tough to comment on this. You don't even have to be. That's not even the point of this. You don't have to be a Damian so, Williams fan. Carlos Hyde just sucks. Wait, I, I want to get the Miami fans' perspective here because didn't Damian Williams play in Miami? He did an awful lot there too, didn't he, John? He didn't do anything there. He walked away. They they couldn't wait to get rid of him, and, and now he comes to the Chiefs, and everybody's expecting him to be, uh, you know, I mean, he did have a good season, a little, you know, good huh? stats last year, but it's uh, I, I'm not, I don't, I think everybody, you could put anybody in that Chiefs offense. I mean, I I could put my grandma in there, and she's still going to have a thousand yards rushing, and it's yeah. just it's the system. I don't think it's the player, so. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with that because Damian Williams or, or Carlos Hyde was in three different systems and was horrendous in all three. So meanwhile, there was a lot more success from other players. So your main argument here is while Damian Williams might be a Jag, yeah. Carlos Hyde is worse. Yeah. I think worse. that was the argument that you and I had yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I care about either of them. Um, well, I you just should both, because Damian Williams, both- I think they're both replaceable, and I think that yes, exactly. I I think if Kansas City decided to bring somebody in off the streets, Damian Williams is. Oh, in that is such a trash <laughs> argument, James. <laughs> Why Jesus. is that? No, no. Christian McCaffrey you, is not replaceable. Alvin Kamara not replaceable. Okay, that's fine. Damian I'm not, Williams. That's not the argument. You just so said if, if they bring somebody 
off yeah. of the street, mm-hmm. they would replace Damian Williams. Yes. That yeah. is a trash argument. How is that a trash? No, no. Wait, no. Okay, you're going to tell me that I could replace Damian Williams. You could replace Damian Williams. Will the I mean, Sean McCoy replace Damian Williams if he came there? Absolutely not, because that dude is old as shit and his body can't hold up. Absolutely, LaShawn McCoy. Oh, my God. There's no doubt in my mind, LaShawn McCoy. Guarantee you he would last about a game and his knee or hamstring would give out. Uh, What about Duke Johnson? That's a different story because I don't think Duke Johnson's a jag. And guess what? Duke Johnson's better than Carlos Hyde. (laughs) Jay will come in there and steal that job if they sign him. No question. No doubt. Jay Ajayi. Bring in, bring in Jay Ajayi with his. Oh God, I hate Jay Ajayi. Yeah, and he was still because well, he outperformed him in Miami, so he would I, he would take that job from him easily. Doubt it. All right, so so my issue with this whole thing is is more is just semantic because so we're saying Carlos Hyde is a jag. No, we're we're saying Carlos Hyde is worse than a jag. Okay, so it so it changed. The original argument was that. Carlos Hyde is is a jag. No, no, I it didn't change. It was it was relative to what the hell James has to say, and Wait, he what's... thinks Damian Williams is a jag. So therefore, Carlos Hyde is worse than a jag. <laughs> so what's worse than a jag though? And don't say Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde. <laughs> Damn it! I teed that one up for him. Ruined my own argument. Oh, here's some more stuff. Carlos Hyde has a. Five point six yard per reception average. <laughs> that's pretty. That's so bad. Uh, <laughs> on how many receptions? Damian Williams has an eight point three. On how many receptions? Uh, one hundred nineteen. Damian Williams is on one hundred eight. We're comparing. We're comparing the numbers. Um, well, yeah, let's let's, let's compare the numbers. Well, let's compare with Sean McCoy's in because he can't. He couldn't. Replace him, right? I didn't hold on. Oh, that, no, I no, 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 that is such a bullshit argument. I am talking about two. John, I, I get it now. I don't want to talk to James right now. So, <laughs> Sean, Damian Williams, barring health, will be an RB one next season. Yeah, I will take that bet. What do we? What do we wager? All right, I'll, I don't care. Wager. All right. We'll figure that off. Uh, uh, figure that out off air, and announce it next week because we we gotta have a wager on that for sure. Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean we kind of have three different issues uh, with uh, with this whole argument. So, what do you mean um, three I issues? Think, What's the three issues? Well, I mean, so James is kind of defending Carlos Hyde. John's kind of attacking Damian Williams, and I'm just. I, I'm just here for the semantic argument. Again, Trevor, I, you were a Carlos Hyde truther like a month ago. Well, I still am. I just, I, I don't care about that nearly as much as being accurate with our language, with our terminology. Oh my God, here. shut up. <laughs> you, you can't say worse than a jag. Like I jag is I just the worst did. thing you can I call just it. Did. Right, here's what I want you to do. All right. So you're, you're going to so go into, you're going to go is, to your kitchen. No, what is on. Alfred Blue then to you? He's a jag. All right. So then Damian Williams is not a jag then. No, Damian Williams plays Maybe. on the Chiefs. Keep up. Damian <laughs> plays on the Chiefs. Alfred Blue plays on the Jags. Oh, well. I mean, now, <laughs> now we're actually. The yeah, now, now the semantics are getting really, uh, 
really really muddying the waters as far as that goes all right but we better wrap this up we've taken plenty of time we let you get that off your chest i didn't uh, because just... james is being a troll at this point <laughs> well yeah but that part's not going to change i mean we could sit here for hours days even that part's not going to change i'm not going to change the fact that i disagree with the terminology but so i'm glad that's <laughs> what you gleaned from this that's well that's that's not all i glean from it that's just all i care about uh as far as car as far as carlos hyde goes at some point he'll take over that job and we'll uh, see we'll see i'm just gonna i'm gonna hey, send we'll you. see it we'll L-O-L. see if he's a jag when he's the starting running back for them he and he might be but at some point we're gonna find out for sure but Anyways, yeah, we need to we need to wrap this up. But real quick, John, we got to thank you for coming on, man. It was it was awesome to have you. So it's at John McGlynn seventy five on Twitter. That's and, correct. Uh, so so right after this, you're gonna go eat a salad. Is that right? Uh, I can handle a salad. It depends. I, I, I can put dressing on it, right? No, yeah, I mean no, technically, I like it's just. Y- Broccoli stem first, raw. <laughs> I mean, so technically, like you could you could put some fruit in in either Jello or Cool Whip, and I mean, technically, that's a salad. I mean, it's a it's on the salad bar. I'm I'm on a semantic kick here, so um, you know, te- technically, that's a salad. So at least start there. But although you did say vegetables, so there's got to be like some shredded carrots in there or something. Some baby carrots or something like that. Something that tastes good. Potatoes. Yeah. I'm Irish. I'll have a baked potato with some sour cream and butter and stuff on there. How does that sound? No, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> what is a potato? Alan's potato a vegetable. Get out of here. Hey, yeah. I'm new to this vegetable thing. <laughs> you get broccoli. It's the jack vegetable world, so you can eat that. You guys said it was based on my performance today, so I must. did I do that bad where I got to eat broccoli from the stem down? <laughs> no no you did you did fine you can go pick a jav just a vegetable whatever whatever that's like what, you're at the higher end of the jag spectrum all yeah. right eat some, <laughs> eat some okra i don't think that tastes like anything so i don't know is that a whale <laughs> nice nice that is a perfect place to end it so we're gonna wrap it up here for the week and thank you john once again as we wrap it up here for for the week we're gonna ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can also subscribe to the dlf family of podcasts the mega feed you get access to all of the great podcasts from dlf and once you're subscribed if you give us a rating and review not all podcatchers give you that option but on the ones that do those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach get out to a larger audience involve more people in the conversation so that we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you the listener and in the vein of listener interactions send us your trades on twitter at superflex show you can also send them to any one of us individually stompy's at ff stompy james is at underscore james the brain and i'm at superflex dude and again john mcglynn 75 you can also send them to him he'd love to help you retweet them and we can all retweet them help you get more votes and comments and sometimes we bring them here on the podcast and analyze thank you to heart and soul radio for the song the addiction that we use as our intro and outro music and above all else thank you to each and every one of you for listening until next week stay sexy and super flexible i love that
Hands on your till the